Welcome to MS My Way. I know I haven't been around for quite some time, but in fact, I think my last podcast was in April. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit why. Usually at this time of year, I'd be looking to pull a campaign together for World MS Day, which is on the 30th of May. The campaign tagline is I Connect, We Connect, and the campaign hashtag is MS Connections. MS Connections challenges social barriers that leave people affected by MS feeling lonely and socially isolated. It's an opportunity to advocate for better services, celebrate support networks and champion self-care. I've not been very good at any of those just recently because some of you may know, some of you may not, but at the end of February, I very very sadly lost my support, my best friend, And I've been very lonely. Mowgli was my Rottweiler. Mowgli came into my life just over seven years ago by putting his paw into my hand. And me taking him home from a rescue centre. It was the biggest nightmare anybody could wish for. He was just an utter thug. He was 10 months old. He had no training and he destroyed everything he touched. And I literally mean everything he touched. Turn your back for a minute, he'd have a radley purse down to the last bit of leather. He destroyed books out of a bookcase. He ripped the sofa. Um, he was dog reactive. He was fire engine reactive. He was men reactive. He was every reactive that you could imagine. Uh, he was also very playful and liked to jump up. He also liked to nip because nobody had nipped that in the bud when he was a puppy. And I was in the first few months of having him, I was black and blue. Because he used to nip me in places that really shouldn't be nipped. But with time, patience, lots of love, lots of help from others. He turned into an absolutely incredible dog. I'd actually had him four years when we went on holiday to Scotland with a few friends and and their dogs. It was for my 50th birthday. And we were going up into a castle. And so we split it so that so many stayed down with the dogs. And the rest of them went up into the castle. And while I was in the castle, he was just looking up at me. 
And when I came down, one of my friends said to me, he's deaf. I said, we've been doing all sorts of whistling and messing about with the dogs while you were up there and he hasn't responded to any of it. Now, I just thought he had selective hearing and sort of listened when he wanted to listen. And it explained a lot. So as soon as we came back from Scotland, I took him to the vets and they referred him to Pride Vets in Derby, where he underwent a CT scan and a test on his ears. And the results came back to say that he was genetically deaf. There was no sound reactions whatsoever to this test. So on top of being thrown out in the street when he was 10 months old, probably because it was a horror, because they often are if they've not been trained properly at that, to that age, he was deaf, so he couldn't hear what people were saying to him. Um, and it, so I very, I very quickly learned sign language. Um, not BSL standard, but we had a sign for sit, we had a sign for down, we had a sign for leave, we had a sign for dancing because he used to jump up on my chest and dance his paws on my chest and dance um we had a sign for just about anything and he picked it up once we realized that he was deaf he picked it up so incredibly well and by this time he was also turning into an incredible dog he didn't like you to go to him for for love but he would come to you time after time put his head on your knee and just sit there he used to lay across me with his paws right across my legs and just with his head down um and when he when you stopped stroking him he would lift his paw so he'd start again it would it was a leaner he used to lean into people when he was if he was sat he would lean into you and from Me being poorly in 2017, when all this, when all my illness started in October 2017, it was just a massive constant in my life. He'd always had a dog walker because prior to me being ill, I was working, so he used to have a dog walker, and she, so she carried on. But one of the things with him was that I could, even though I couldn't, I can't walk myself very far, I could walk him. And I, I could never understand why that was. I, I understand, I do know that people do say that, that people with MS who've got dogs do say that. And I know my sister, um, you know, she, can, she walks, she's walked dogs all her life, basically. So it's, it's, but it's quite strange. So he was diagnosed, a couple of years ago, more or less of now, he was diagnosed with pancreatitis. He had bad flare and we've, it was put on medication for life really and we just had to keep getting him checked out. Um, and he was on 
he used to go sort of every couple of months to be weighed and he had to have med medication checks on three months. Um, I sorted all. I had to. We had to struggle to find a food that was suitable for him. He also had allergies, so he couldn't eat beef and he couldn't eat chicken and um. He couldn't eat lamb and he couldn't eat rabbit and there was loads of things that he couldn't eat. So it was really difficult to find something to feed him, and I did eventually get him onto buttermilk box, which seemed to settle him down a lot. Uh. My one regret of all this is because because he, during COVID, the PDSA would only see emergencies. And when he was first poorly last year, he went to the PDSA and they more or less told me that um, they didn't think there was anything wrong with him. They gave him, a, and he'd been sick and they gave him an anti-sickness injection and that was basically it. So when he became poorly in February this year, he, he literally just one Saturday morning, he'd been digging about outside and he threw up. And and I thought he'd got something from under the shed because he was quite close to the shed when he did it. And um, I rang my vets that day and said, he's been sick. And I tried to take his, I took his temperature, his temperature was fine. Um... But he'd also started weighing in the house, which was something that he'd never ever done before. Uh, it was always quite, it was always a really clean dog. So, yeah, as I say, so that was a Saturday. He was sick again on the Sunday, um, all over my bed. Thankfully, it was just on the quilt, so I managed to just bend the quilt. So on the Monday morning, I just rang my vets again and said, uh, he needs to come in. So I took him in on the Monday. He had some bloods. He had some... Um, he took his temperature and weighed him and what have you. And they noticed his weight had started to drop. He'd lost a couple of kilos because he'd only been about a week or two before to be weighed. And he'd lost a couple of kilos. Uh, at this stage, he was still eating. So I went to, so I brought him home. They gave him an anti-sickness and an antibiotic and I brought him home. And they said if he was sick again after having the anti-sickness, then he had to go back the next day. So I took him back, he ended up going back. He ended up there every day for nearly a fortnight having either an anti-sickness, a steroid. Um, when they first took the blood test, his, blood, his white blood count was low, but that can be a sign of pancreatitis. So I don't think the reaction wasn't made in, initially. But the following week, probably from the month, he was just being sick, he was pooing in the house, he was... Um, he was hardly eating. He was literally just eating little bits of chicken and rice. And I was struggling to find things that he would eat. And for a dog that used to eat, uh, counter surf if you let him, so to say, then for him not to eat little bits of chicken. So I was backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And on the Thursday, I got the news that 
we really didn't want um there was a mass in his stomach and I needed to make the decision whether I wanted them to operate or and, and go down the chemotherapy route or go take the palliative route. Well, by this Thursday, he'd lost six kilos from when he'd previously been weighed two or three weeks previous. And, and I mean, he, my vet even said to me, look, at the end of the day, it's not about money. We just need to know that, you know, you made the decision for him. Um, so I went away and I, and on the Friday, it was, I'd, it would, it was 31 years since I'd lost my dad on the Friday. And I just didn't want him, if he was going to go, I didn't want him to go that day. So I took him as normal and he had his steroid injection and his, um, antibiotic injection. By the, by the Friday, he hadn't really eaten anything for four days. So he came home and at three o'clock on the Saturday morning, he woke me up because he'd been sick. As I said earlier, he was a really clean dog. So it distressed him if, if he did something like that in the house. So he more or less came and took, and he'd been sick on the settee. So I came in and I cleaned it up. But of course, he'd, he hadn't, he'd hardly eaten anything, so there was nothing really there. It was mainly just water. And I just laid with him and said, you know, this, you know, you're, this, you've gone from such a vibrant, loving dog to this. And I can't do it to you anymore. So on the Saturday morning, he was due to go for an injection. And I, took, and I just said to the vet, he won't want to be like this and I don't want him to be like this and I can help him not be like this. But can I be with him? And the vet said, yes, you, we'll put the cannula in outside and then you can come in and be with him. So he went out as he came in with me holding him. Jeez, it was 12 weeks on Saturday and I still can't talk about it without crying but this is why I haven't been around this is why I can't even do chats um, because I know I've completely neglected my community but I can't do anything else about it at the moment because I just need to take the time for me and take the time for me to recover. It was a massive, massive part of my life. 
but more so in the last three years because I just didn't go anywhere without him. And if I did, I was constantly watching him on the put on a puppy cam to make sure everything was all right. And it was always all right because he just slept because he just loved to sleep if he wasn't out walking or bringing me his ball and dropping dropping it on my laptop just so that I could I would play with him and he liked to have things that vibrated because obviously he couldn't hear so but he could feel the vibrations when he dropped a very hard ball on the floor and he used to spend he could spend a full afternoon literally just giving me this ball and me throwing it and giving me this ball and me throwing it and then just collapse on the rug and go to sleep. Since I've been in the bungalow, he's been he's came to bed with me every night. He didn't always stay, but he always came to bed with me. And he'd wake me up for his breakfast and he used to talk to me. He used to make the most bizarre sounds when he was getting his when his food was being put out. back to anybody that walked past the window but then when they came in the house he wagged his tail everybody who met him loved him the neighbours were terrified of him when I first moved in and every one of them came out to say goodbye to him before he went and I know some of them think that I made the decision too quickly but I didn't and I don't ever I won't ever regret doing what I did for him because, you know, I support dignity and dying for humans. So, you know, we haven't got that far yet with dignity and dying for humans. But we, the the best thing that, you know, the nicest, nicest, hate that word. The best thing that we can do for our pets is help, you know, help them out along the way. Because he, he didn't want to be here. He hated being dirty. He hated... You know, it really it proper traumatised him if he, if he did something in the house that he shouldn't have done. So that last two weeks, he was, he was just so sad with himself because he couldn't help it. But he used to just come and wait, and he used to wake me up and tell me, and it was just, it was awful, and, that, and that's not how he wanted to live, and it's not how I wanted him to live either. So it was, it was for the best, but... It doesn't stop me feeling incredibly lonely because for as long as I can remember, I've had a pet in my life, um, be it a dog or a cat. And I actually don't know what would, would have happened if it had happened during, well, it did happen during lockdown, but towards the back end of lockdown. And then I invited... A friend told me about another one that needed needed to be out sort of that day. Um, and I brought, I, I went and sort of followed my heart rather than my head. And he was a, he was a big lad, really big lad. He was beautiful. Uh, um, but he pinned me to the sofa one night. And I don't mean in a nasty way, just the fact that he was heavy. He sort of jumped on me and he was heavy and I couldn't get him off. Um and I thought, this is, you know, this isn't right. I can't cope with this. So, again, that's a sort of stark realisation that, 
it's the MS has obviously deteriorated to the degree that I can no longer lift a dog off me when obviously I would have been able to previously. I was a, I was a pretty strong fit person up to being diagnosed with MS. I was swimming regularly, um, walking the dog regularly. I've been around a marquee company for 10 years, so I was regularly lifting heavy weights and um, I was brought up on a farm, so I was throwing bills about when I was 10 years old. So I'm not a, I'm not a weak person. So to sort of not have the strength to lift a dog off you when you've moved cows out of a pen, then it's it's tough and it's tough to accept. And I did what was best for him. He he went to a wonderful home with another dog and loads of space and, and, and he'll be absolutely fine and happy. But that doesn't solve the fact that I don't have a do- I don't have a dog to walk, and I can't walk on my own for far enough. But if I've got a dog, I can walk a bit further. So I'm missing out on that side of it. Um, but I'm also missing out on the the love and the the cuddles and the talking and and I know I'll never ever replace him, but I've. And I don't want to replace him because he was unique. He was really, really unique. As they all are. But I just need that company back, I think. And I can't... And I, and I, I keep saying I've neglected sort of my... Not my duties, but, you know, what I set out to do. You know, the patient advocate in me, the supporter. Um has kind of realised that she possibly needs to be supported now and not be the supporter, um, which is why there hasn't been any MS Let's Chat. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I just... The minute I get on a Zoom call and I see a dog or somebody mentions a dog, then it sets me off and, and I just... I don't want to put myself in that position... I'm okay if it's on a like a, a Labour Party thing or something that I'm involved with, the MS Society or something like that, because I'm focused and I'm doing something, but I'm not focused when, when I'm just chatting to a, a room full of people. Um, so I just can't do it at the moment. And I just, I suppose this um, World MS Day, is about the fact that for me is about the fact that three years down the line I've started to realise that there's an awful lot of things I haven't dealt with and today I've been interviewed for local news television news about how difficult it is to for people who are disabled to use public transport um it's on the back of a scope article that's that's due out i believe today or tomorrow and 
it's there's some the things just keep get keep getting more and more apparent every day that I can't do things that I want to do. And I'm getting quite frustrated in saying things you know, I'm like, you know, I should be able to go out and meet friends again now, but it's quite difficult to do it. Because even even if I can get there, then a lot of places still are accessible. And I found myself saying, as accessible rich, which is what I'm known as in the local sort of TV radio type area. I started Accessible Rage because I wanted places to become more accessible to people with disabilities. Um, and now I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, why should we be asking for places to be accessible? Why can't it just be the same for everybody else? And... And yeah, I do want pla- I do want places to be more accessible, but I I also saw I'm also thinking, but I shouldn't have to ask for that. Why am I having to ask for that? Why are any of us having to ask for that? And it's become more apparent with COVID particularly and coming out of the lockdowns in various areas that it's becoming less and less accessible for us to get about. Yeah, accessible shouldn't even be a word. It should be inclusion. It should be... We put labels on things and we should all be... We should all accept... We should all expect the same quality... Of life. And I don't actually know why I've even gone off on a tangent now about that. But that's because I was being interviewed. So I, I suppose the top and bottom of this is. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. I am on. Weekly therapy sessions. At the moment. To try and deal with things that have gone on in recent terms. And losing Mowgli seems to have just brought it all to the fore. So please forgive me. For not supporting others at this moment in time. Because at this moment in time, I just need to keep looking after myself. I haven't got the energy, the headspace to provide the support for others that I have been doing. And I miss having him here every single day.
So I guess in closing with this, it's support your friends. Think about, think about what they've lost. Think about the person that there once was. I always said, MS doesn't define me. It doesn't define me because I am still the same person inside. Maybe a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit weaker. I don't know really. I think I've maybe become less tolerant. Um, I lack patience now that I wouldn't have lacked before. Somebody actually said to me a couple of weeks ago, you're a really good listener, you. You don't interrupt. Just listen to what people are saying and don't spin it for your, for your own angle, to your own angle or your own needs. And I thought, yeah, maybe I am. But not so much is going in at the moment. But there are people that I was still be, I've still got to be there for. I've still got to be there for my mum, my sister, my neighbour. I'll always be, a, be there for her because she just... She's got so much going on at the moment herself and... It's quite nice to just be diverted away from what's going on in my head. And she doesn't ask anything of me. Not a thing. I just can go sit for 20 minutes with a cup of tea or a glass of wine. And it's just perfect. So this World MS Day, this is me. This is what MS has done to me. Or not necessarily done to me, that's probably not the right word. It's probably, I don't know. I don't wanna, I don't wanna feel bitter. Because I'm not a bitter person. But when I look at the things that... I reflect on the things that I used to do. I reflect on things that I should still be doing. And I reflect on the way that I was treated... By people that I thought cared about me. And only had their own. 
thoughts for themselves, not for me. Which once I've gone through deeper with a therapist, I'll, look, I'll explain about. So I'm trying not to add on, I don't want to end on a sad note because I just, you know, might. Whenever I'm talking about anything important or important to me, I kind of like to put a positive spin on it. So the positive spin has got to be the people that are around me, absolutely in my immediate vicinity. Because I honestly don't know what I would have done without them in this last year. I really don't. Oh, and also the bus stop in Scala is very, very accessible. Or should I say inclusive? Bye for now. Thank you for listening if you've got this far. It's probably the longest pod... Oh, I'll just say it's an audio blog, but I'm not sure that it's going to get written up. But you can find my other ramblings, of which they are few and far between at the moment, at accessiblereach.co.uk, on Instagram, accessible underscore reach, TikTok, Twitter... Facebook, LinkedIn, Accessible Roach. Thank you for listening to MS My Way. And I think it's quite an apt name today. <laughs>